the all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change the Don't change Yes, a very good afternoon, everyone. Melbourne Cup Day. We've covered it quite a bit uh, since the race that stops the nation was run at 12 o'clock today in the run home with Hayes and Mardo. Hope you've had a terrific day. Let me tell you, uh, it is a great location here in the studios at SENWA. We're on the mezzanine area, basically the perimeter of the Optus Stadium, and we're looking right across at the Camfield and as I was coming to work uh, a couple of hours ago, there were still some ladies staggering out. You can see when they've had enough. They hold their shoes in their hand and they head towards a car park and they wait for the Uber driver to come. And there was plenty of taxis lined up. But saying that, there may be a few that have filtered out, but there's still a heap of people at the Canfield. And I thought to myself, I'm coming to work. If I had the opportunity to do what some of these young people are doing now, I reckon I'd struggle to butter up for work the next day. In fact, for the next couple of days. But these people will. These people will. And it also got me thinking, I reckon the Melbourne Cup gets run far too early in the day. I know there's a lot of Group 1 feature races, like the one a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Cox Plate and others, where the main feature race of the program, with the exception of... Derby Day, because we've got a heap of Group 1 races last Saturday at the start of the Melbourne Cup Carnival. But even for people here in Perth, wouldn't it be better if, for whatever reason, the Melbourne Cup, and even in Melbourne, started the second last race of the program, where a lot of the feature races tend to be slotted in? And it got me thinking, why isn't the Melbourne Cup maybe run at 4.30, 4.45 Melbourne time? It is daylight saving over there, so the sun is still very high in the sky, which would make it 1.30, 1.45 here in Perth. So you could sit down, have a nice lunch, and then relax, drink in hand after you've had a bit of a, a chance to sit around your table or whatever you're going to and watch the race. 12 o'clock's far too early. People are getting out of work at half past 10. They're racing to their function. As soon as they get there, the race is on. Then they've got the rest of the afternoon to kill. And as I said, it's certainly a great afternoon and a great evening for a lot of people. But I just thought it'd be a lot better for everybody if the race was run a bit later, as is the case with a lot of other feature races around the racing calendar, not here in Western Australia, but around the country as well. Give us your thoughts on it. 0419. Uh, let's get that text line again. That's my phone number I'm giving out. 0438. Yeah, go do it, Jimmy. Go it. Do it. Do the ding ding. Uh, 0487 736 736. And I swear, uh, not one drop of alcohol has entered my mouth today. But I just started giving out my phone number. Uh, 0487 736 736. That's a bedshed uh, text line. Of course, uh, bedshed are experts in temper mattresses. By the way, we're here for Kia's Epic Range, the Kia Sportage, Seltos, and EV6 GT, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre serving WA for over 45 years. So it is the big one today. Uh, the race that stops the nation for the good oil for Cobram Estate, premium Australian extra virgin olive oil. Let's have a listen 
to the entire Melbourne Cup run for 2023. If you haven't had an opportunity to listen to the race and maybe you had a sweep or you had a, a bet on a particular horse and really didn't get an opportunity to see exactly where it was positioned and how it run today, here it is. The race in its entirety. Ready to go. And they're racing. And Solcom stood there again and missed it by about three lengths this time. Beginning well towards the inside was Magical Lagoon with also Serpentine and not too far away Absurd and also Vauban. Out deeper on the track, Future History and also Right You Are coming over and also Vow and Declare is four and five deep and at this point of the race is about two off the lead and trying to push up from Carla Poor. They were followed next in the field by in between horses True Marvel, Military mission is next, and just ahead of it is Absurd, and also Vauban along the inside. Next is Gold Trip, as they come down the straight with just over a lap to go. Next is Lestochka, who's four deep around Shiraz, and without a fight, they were followed by Ashrun, Breakup, Interpretation, Sulkham, towards the back, more Felons, and also Akita Sushi, and two for the back as Virtuous Circle at the tail of the field. As they leave the running, the leader Serpentine by a length in second future history. Third is Magic Lagoon and Vow and Declare fourth one off the fence. Two lengths to right you are and Vauban followed by Absurd. Carla is three wide. Next along the inside is Gold Tripless Dotchka. In between horses Military Mission and even speed in the cup from Alan Kerr. They were followed one off the fence by Deshaun Sweet Jr. True Marvel three wide. Well back without a fight Ash Run Shiraz. Next along the inside Sulkham Breakup Interpretation towards the back of the field. More Felons Akita Sushi and last of all Virtuous Circle, 1,700 metres to go in the Lexus Melbourne Cup. Serpentine is the leader. From on the outside, Carla Poor and Future History is third. A length and a half, Magical Lagoon and also Vow and Declare and they get away at this stage as they reach the 1,500 metres. They're four lengths in front of Right You Are and Vauban saving every inch of ground. A length and a half, the stable made absurd and then came Gold Trip. A length away, La Scotia is three wide at this stage and then came Military Mission. A length away in the field is True Marvel, and then came Alan Kerr to Sean Sweet Jr. without a fight. Shiraz, well back in the field, well back two-thirds down as Ash runs Sulkham and Breakup, and they were followed by more felons as they string right out at the 1,000 metres. Akita Sushi is well back in the field as well, and towards the back interpretation and virtuous circle. So it's Serpentine running this along very solidly midway towards the 800 metres. It's a true staying test by two links to Carla Poor and Future History. Vow and Declare is nice and close, three or four off them. They were followed by Right You Are. Vauban's only about four or five off them. Absurd the outside. Gold Trippers tanking through, needs runs. Deshaun Sweet Juniors wedging through them. And Alan Kerr, plenty of hopes around the corner. Into the straight in the Lexus Melbourne Cup. And here's Vauban on the outside of Future History and Vow and Declare between them. Absurd is also chiming in. 400 metres to go. It's Absurd moving up on the outside for Zach Purden. A length in front, but without a fight is running on right down the centre of the track without a fight up to absurd bow and declare and Shiraz the bolter it's without a fight a hundred metres to go two or three leaps in front coming away from Shiraz and also Sulkham without a fight Mark Zara a Melbourne Cup champion wins it by two leaps second in the race
Chase was Sulkham, third Shiraz. They were followed by a photo for fourth. Ashron Deshaun Sweet Jr. did interpretation. There you go. The running of the 2023 Melbourne Cup in its entirety without a fight from Sulkham and Shiraz. Ashron ran fourth. And, of course, Mark Zara's huge decision to ride without a fight in this year's Cup has paid off with victory in the $8.4 million classic. Now, the win marked a staggering triumph after Zara, who had the opportunity to continue on last year's winner gold trip, and trainers Anthony and Sam Freeman combined to win the Caulfield Cup with uh, without a fight just three weeks ago. Interesting regarding Mark Zara. A lot of people don't know, but uh, he actually started his racing career here in Western Australia and started his apprenticeship with Dean White. Now, his first race day ride was on Wall Spring, on Boxing Day back in 1988 at the Geraldton Racecourse. He won his first race at the same track in March of 1989. He then moved to Victoria to work for Brian Cox in Wodonga and later with Tony McAvoy at Lindsay Park. So there you go. It all started here for Mark Zara up there on the uh, Crayfish Coast in Geraldton where he run uh, where he won his very first race, uh, which was back in around about 1989. Here is Mark Zara after winning the Melbourne Cup, his second in succession. Mark Zara is the 27th jockey to win the Melbourne Cup on more than one occasion. He's the first since Harry White in 78-79 to win it in back-to-back -back years on different horses. Gold trip last year without a fight this year. Tell us how you got it done from 16 like that. Um, I, my whole objective, I thought that my biggest opposition was my horse himself. You know, he can be quite keen, and I, I, he gave me a lot of. I went and worked him the other day, and he was keen. And so I go on the gates, he's relaxed, and I thought, oh, this is a good sign. But I, I always wanted to go to, if I could find the fence at any stage. He's a horse that relaxes much better on the fence. And when it came up, I knew I was back a fair way. But when you're on the fence, it always seems to chug forward a bit, you know. So slowly I gained gain ground by one by one up the inside, and. Um, said before, I was following Alan Kerr, but had Ollie on, so there's a tick. Gold Trip's in front of me, that's, that's a tick. Ryan Moore's in front of him, that's a tick. So I think I can stay here as long as I can. I'll wait for these three, uh, you know, excellent jockeys to start making their moves. We're going to follow them. So I did, Jay, make it off. Ollie probably didn't have the horse. And then all of a sudden, I started to travel. And he's a horse that, lucky, like a lot of stages, you've got to get up him. But on a horse like him, he's got to turn a foot. You, you can just sit there and you can take needle eyes. And I, I just managed to smoke up right behind the right horses. Poor old gold trip, he was only going just, I got up inside him. I think it was Vaban or um, Purton, I don't know, I'd lost focus by this time. And, and, but it, it was opening up and I was getting the front early, but I just knew, I thought, there's just no way on earth anything's coming from behind me and boom, away we went. How do you compare the two? And has this one got a little bit of relief attached to it, given how agonising the decision would have been to get off gold trip? Um, I, I suppose a little bit. I mean, you, you, your first Melbourne Cup, you can never compare to that ever, you know, because you just don't believe it's ever going to happen. And I, and I always said, I think winning one helps you a lot because I come into a race today and I thought, putting aside all the choosing and all that, I knew I was on a good horse, but when you win one, you know, a lot of jockeys strive their lifetime to win one. And you can go in thinking, this might be my chance, this might be a chance. But when you won one, you go, if I stuff it up, there's one at home in the cabinet anyway. So, you know, you can you, you afford that little bit of luxury. Um, but, like I said, to change horses and get a little bit of flack about my, my choice, I'll give it to me down the race here today, actually. Um, 
and for it to pay off, it's justified. And, you know, just thanks to my manager, Reese Murphy, Mark Hunter helps me perform, like guys that helped me sway the right way. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm really happy and very, very appreciative. While the decision to ride without a fight in the Cup is only a, a little over a week old, did you get a sense from him during the Queensland winter that he was going to be capable of springboarding like he has? Yeah, for sure. He's, he's winning the, um, the Q22, I think it's called, was... He pulled my arms out the whole way and still, you know, let loose. And I, and I remember coming in and saying his win was extraordinary. And my wife said, you never say anything like that about horses. You always downplay it. And I said, well, it was. And my whole thing was I didn't think he would get two miles because he was too keen. I actually said, aim him for the cox plate because he won't pull as hard. But to their credit, he came back such a more, more relaxed horse. And the way he went around today, you wouldn't even know and compare him to the horse of the winter. He was so relaxed in the run. I just spent nothing until probably the 800. A bit of colour coordination going on today. I'm much more composed. I had some time to breathe. I love you. So, so proud. All right, thank you. Mark, a, a special moment. We'll, we'll let you go and enjoy it, but you're now part of history, just the 12th horse to do the Cups double. Thanks, Nigel. Cheers. Yeah, good on you, courtesy of Racing.com. Mark Zara winning his second successive Melbourne Cup. What a moment for him. Uh, the big story today for Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested, and first cold-pressed in Northern Victoria. Coming up on the program later today, we're going to be speaking to Peter Parker, former Test Match umpire. He currently uh, manages the uh, cricket officials uh, at Cricket Tasmania. He spent a bit of time at the West Australian Cricket Association and he originated from Brisbane. But last night, something that's never happened before with Sri Lanka's Angelo Matthews making the unfortunate cricketing history because he became the first player to be timed out at international level. What happened is that Matthews was coming into bat with Sri Lanka 135 for four uh, against Bangladesh, but due to a helmet issue, was slow to take the crease. And while the 12th man ran to retrieve a new helmet, time continued to tick by, and well over three minutes after the previous wicket, Matthews and the umpires were still in discussions. And then... Bangladesh appealed, talks dragged on, and Matthews was timed out. We'll speak more about that rule and the fact that this is history-making. It's never happened in international cricket before when we speak to Peter Parker, former Test cricket umpire here on the program. That's coming up uh, shortly, so don't go away. We'll bring up you up to date with that. Speaking of bringing you up to date, we'll bring you up to date with what's happening. Australia are taking on Afghanistan in Cricket's World Cup in India, Steve Smith is out of the side, as we mentioned, and has been mentioned. He's just suffering from a bit of vertigo, so uh, he is out, Steve Smith. Australia are in the field. Afghanistan are one for 41 currently. We'll take you through the details on the other side of the break. And WA, who are taking on New South Wales, are finding it a bit difficult. At the SCG, we had Bo Casson, the senior assistant coach of the WA cricket side, on last night, and he suggested that maybe the wicket could be fairly trying. Well, it's been trying for most players, except for Ollie Davies of New South Wales, who cracked a century for New South Wales today to give him a pretty handsome first innings lead. But I'll give you all the details of that uh, on the other side of the break. And also we'll touch on what was a fantastic and exciting performance by the Perth Wildcats last night against the uh, Melbourne Tigers. Many thought that they would struggle against the Tigers, but they showed a lot of discipline, a lot of courage and determination to record a victory against the Melbourne United last night against the Perth Wildcats. You're saying to me, Jimmy, 
Yeah, they haven't been the Tigers for a while. Well, as I said, I'm, I haven't been... Uh, what's the word? I've been around a long time. I've seen many changes in the NBA. Of course, Melbourne United, we were talking about. A quarter past five. You're listening to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. On Melbourne Cup Day, all thanks to the Kia's epic range, the Kia Sportage, Seltos and EV6 GT. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. Yes, well done to the Wildcats last night over Melbourne United. They're in Melbourne. It's a quarter yes, past five. Welcome back to Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. So just updating the cricket, Afghanistan taking on Australia. Australia. Afghanistan won the toss and elected to bat first. And currently, Glenn Maxwell is bowling the 11th over. Afghanistan a one for 52. Josh Hazelwood getting the wicket of Gabaz for 21. Zadran is 29 not out and Shah is one not out. So the wicket going the way of Josh Hazelwood. He's got the figures four overs, no maidens, one for 16. Stark has bowled three overs at a cost of 19 runs. Pat Cummins just the one over for five. And Maxwell's in his third over has no wicket for 12. So... Okay, a pretty good start by Pakistan. One for 53. They're going at about 4.89 runs and over. Tough times for WA in the Sheffield Shield match being played at the SCG. As we know, WA made 141 in their first innings. New South Wales replied with 276. And Ollie Davies uh, coming in at number six was the difference between... A total for New South Wales that would have been pretty close to WA. He made 129. The next top score was Moses Henriques. He made 51. They made 276 in total, did uh, New South Wales, uh, to lead Western Australia by 135. Uh, Lance Morris, the pick of the bowlers, 3 for 87 of 17.3 overs. Joel Paris uh, just stayed with two wickets. He had two wickets last night. In the end, he finished with two for 52 from 16. Corey Rocciolli bowled 14 overs, took two for 58. And Hamish McKenzie also bowled 11 overs, two for 37. But in their second innings, WA in all sorts of trouble. They still trail New South Wales by 31 runs with three wickets remaining. Bancroft is 44 not out. Charlie Stobo, 16 not out. Joel Paris... Uh, next to Cam Bancroft was the top scorer with 26. Have a listen to this. Whiteman won. Teague Wiley, no score. Hilton Cartwright, no score. Josh Philippi, no score. Ashton Turner, two. Hamish McKenzie, one. So Western Australia went from one for 19 to six for 34. Yes, I'll repeat that again. One for 19 to six for 34. So they lost five for around about 15 runs. So another bad batting collapse. They lost five for seven in the first innings. And here today in their second innings, five for 15. So they'll be struggling to get away with not uh, an innings defeat here, unless Cam Bancroft and Charlie Stobo put together a good partnership tomorrow. But they've already lost seven wickets and uh, at a cost of 104 runs, they're in a bit of trouble. All right, last night, a great performance by the Perth Wildcats, an overtime victory over Melbourne United. Melbourne United certainly went into the match as very much favourites on the back end of what's been some indifferent form by the Perth Wildcats. It was a funny game against the Adelaide 36ers at RAC Arena on Friday night, an ebbs and flows game, but in the end, the Wildcats got it done. 
And then, of course, they travelled to play uh, the Melbourne United last night over there in Melbourne. A great victory. And this is what John really, the coach, had to say about the performance last night, particularly on the rebounding effort in the past two games. Yeah, look, that just feeds into the winning ugly situation. And now, like, we're generating some great looks out of that. But then when you're not playing great offensively, you've got to find ways. And that's been a way for us to get some good looks, but just create energy about the way that we play at that end of the floor. So, um, you know, the adjustment to the lineup certainly helped that. Um, but then it, anything in, in sport is contagious. When you see your teammate doing a great job, all of a sudden you give a little bit more effort. And that's what we did this week. We backed ourselves, we backed our teammates, and you saw the results. John really there, certainly sounding a lot more buoyant after what it would have been uh, before the game against the Adelaide 36ers. In fact, I saw him the other day. He's a, he's a lovely uh, man, and uh, I wish him the best of luck going forward. Let's hope the Wildcats continue their momentum and continue their winning ways uh, after what was a little uh, hiccup over the four previous games before the Adelaide 36ers match. Ange Postacoglu uh, hit a uh, fork in the road last night as manager of Tottenham Hotspur in the EPL. They took on the team from West London. Of course, Tottenham from North London. They took on Chelsea from West London. And uh, they were beaten by four goals to one. They led by one goal to nil early. Uh, Chelsea equalised through a penalty. But then... Tottenham lost two players. They were down to nine men for about the last half an hour of the game. And that's when Chelsea pounced on the advantage they had, 11 against nine, and scored three more goals to win by four goals to one. This is what Ange said post-match. It's, it's sort of hard to kind of analyse from a football perspective. Um, yeah, kind of left with... The result, which is obviously disappointing, and you know that's you, know, you don't like to lose, particularly here at home. You know, super proud of the players' efforts and will and desire and determination to get still get something out of the game. Um, but like I said, and then there's obviously the you know, the fallout from it from from our perspective, personnel-wise, which you know I guess we'll we'll deal with in the coming days. <clears throat> Ange Postacoglu there clearing the throat and probably just uh, likes to see the back of that game last night. Uh, Spurs were eventually going to lose a game and it was last night against Chelsea by four goals to one in what was a called a, a mad Monday night match in the EPL. As we've mentioned, also on the run home, Jason Dover, who I, by the way, bumped into yesterday. Uh, he's a terrific uh, individual, a very good uh, player manager in the AFL was involved in the Lockie Schultz uh, arrangement that had ended up with Lockie Schultz going to Collingwood. He manages Nat Fife, and also he looks after Dan Curtin. And he said on the SENWA breakfast program this morning with Scotty and Goss that the West Coast Eagles should seriously look at drafting local Dan Curtin. Yeah, I can tell you what I've told clubs. that He's the best I've seen come out of WA in over a decade. Wow. Um, a uh, footballer and... And person. And person. Yeah, a well-rounded wow. person. And that's why, look, I'd, I'd say right now, if I'd pick one and I'm West Coast, I wouldn't be trading pick one. I'd be taking Dan Curtin. So there you go, Jason Dover regarding uh, Dan Curtin. All right, uh, on the other side of the break, we're going to speak to uh, a gentleman, Peter Parker. He is a former test umpire. He's been involved uh, in cricket for many, many years. Uh, started in Brisbane, where he became a test umpire. 
and then has been involved in the umpiring fraternity for a period here at the West Australian Cricket Association. And now he oversees all the match officials program for Cricket Tasmania. We're going to have a chat to him about what transpired last night in the World Cup match between Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, where Sri Lanka's Angelo Matthews uh, made unfortunate cricketing history. He became the first player to be timed out at international level. It has happened at minor level around the world in other games, but this is the first time it's happened at international level. And I thought this is a significant story, particularly with the World Cup currently underway, on the implications for this going forward. We had the Johnny Bairstow controversy in the Ashes series, and now this on on a world stage with uh, what happened last night at the World Cup. By the way, as we go to the break, uh, Afghanistan, by the way, are one for 61 after 13. Peter Parker joins us next. Welcome back to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Kia's Epic Range, the Kia Sportage Seltos, and EV6 GT, and of course, Toolmart, the complete tool centre serving WA for over 45 years. I couldn't believe what I was watching last night in Cricket's World Cup. Of course, Sri Lanka's Angelo Matthews has made unfortunate cricketing history, becoming the first player to be timed out at international level. Now, Matthews was coming into bat with Sri Lanka at four for 135 against Bangladesh, but due to a helmet issue, was slow to take the crease. While the 12th man ran to retrieve a new helmet, time continued to tick by, and well over three minutes after the previous wicket, Matthews and the umpires were still in discussions. But Bangladesh had appealed. And with talks dragging on longer than the period, Matthews actually had to make it to the crease and the umpires had to time him out with Matthews losing his wicket without facing a ball. Very controversial circumstances indeed. The Bangladesh skipper uh, stood by his appeal and this is what Matthews had to say about the timeout dismissal. I haven't done anything wrong. Uh... I have two minutes to get to the crease and get myself ready, which I did. And then it was an equipment malfunction. And I don't know where the common sense went uh, because obviously it's obviously disgraceful from uh, Shakib and Bangladesh if they want to play cricket like that. Obviously stoop down to that level. I think there's something wrong um, drastically. So it was just pure common sense. I'm not talking about um, uh, mancading or obstructing the field here. This is just pure common sense and bringing the game into, you know, disrepute. It's absolutely um, disgraceful. See, up to today, I had utmost respect to him and, uh, and Bangladesh team. Obviously, you know, you all play to win. And if it's within the rule, it's fine. But the rule clearly says uh, in, my, in my incident today, Within two minutes, I was there. We have video evidence. We will put out a statement later on. We have video evidence, footage, everything was looked. I'm not just, just coming and saying things here. I'm talking with proof. Here, I think in my, in my 15 years of career, I've never, seen, I've never seen a team going down to that level. Yeah, that's Angelo Matthews, a very experienced player for Sri Lanka, has been part of their test team and basically part of their all-formats team for a number of years. So I thought I'd like to explore this a bit more because this is history-making. 
as I mentioned, becoming the first player to be timed out at international level. Peter Parker was a former test umpire. He's now the match officials manager at Cricket Tasmania. Actually worked here at the WACA for a number of years as well and originated from Brisbane. And Peter joins us on the program now. Peter, thanks for your time. No worries, Peter. Thank you for the call. Your initial reaction to what transpired in India last night? Yeah, very interesting. I I, I listened to Angelo's um, comments there, and one of the things that I picked up on is he had he was talking about being on the field in two minutes. It actually in the ICC playing conditions it says that he has two minutes to be ready to receive the delivery. So it's not just being on the ground; he has to be at the crease taking his stance, ready to take the delivery. Now, I haven't seen all of his evidence that he's, he said that he's got, but I did see um, an interview with the fourth umpire, and his name escapes me at the moment, but he had an interview with Ian Bishop, and he he said that the fourth umpire recorded the time that the batter was out, and he was not on he he was not ready to be on the field to play within that two minutes. So, you know, um, I think there may be a little bit of confusion there. But, you know, the reason the reason that this time is around is because players have slowed the game down and, and this is one avenue to try and keep the game moving. We talk about the spirit of the game. Uh, you as an official, uh, no doubt Bangladesh's captain did appeal you need to take that on board uh, when the, an appeal is made and you need to look and work within the rules of cricket. What about the spirit of the game? Was this in the spirit of game, in your opinion, or do you think uh, maybe it was outside? Yeah, look, I, I find it hard to sort of give an opinion whether it's outside the spirit of the game. If it's the laws of the game, if it's in the laws of the game or in the playing conditions... Surely the players have a responsibility to know what those laws and playing conditions are. You know, they're professional sports people. Um, to go out with a, a piece of equipment that wasn't um, wasn't ready to be used, you wonder why or how. Um, the other the other side to it is he could have faced the ball without a chin strap. Mm. You know, all he had to do was face the ball, then he could have um, had a new helmet run out to him. It wasn't that many years ago that, that players actually had helmets without chin straps. So, you know, if the strap had broken, um, face up, face the first delivery and then change it. And that would have been quite legitimate. Saying that, it's on the back end of the Johnny Bairstow dismissal in the recent Ashes series between Australia and England, of course, uh, Alex Carey uh, throwing the ball at the wickets as Johnny Bairstow was taking a stroll down the wicket after facing a delivery. There's been a couple of controversial ones of late, hasn't there, that's challenged uh, everybody involved in the game? Yeah, look, there have been. Um, the Johnny Bairstow one, uh, to me, just highlights the players' ignorance, or ignorance around the laws of the game. Um, you know, Alex Kerry released that ball. He didn't hold the ball. As soon as it hit the gloves, he released it. So it was always potentially a stumping. 
you know, Johnny Bairstow was aware of it because he tried it in the, the Australian batting innings. So, you know, when you when you get out through not understanding the laws that you play the game under, um, I, I don't see that it's anyone's fault but your own. Does it need to be another re-education of players by the ICC? Because there are some rules in there that haven't been activated for many years, like the one last night with the timeout, like the Johnny Bairstow situation. Now, you're the head of match officials in Cricket Tasmania. Do you reckon, like anything else, uh, there needs to be a re-education of players on what they can do and what they can't do? Yeah, look, and we're always happy to do that. But before a World Cup, generally what happens is there's a meeting and, and playing playing conditions are, are discussed, highlighted, and the people that attend those are generally the captains and the coaches. Um, so that quite possibly, and without knowing you know, what was actually said, but, but quite possibly that is one of the playing conditions that's, that is spoken about because it, it is a little bit obscure. So, um, yeah, I, the, the flip side to that is then we've got, does the captain then hand down what's come out of those meetings or do they just go, yeah, thank you, we've been to that and um, and the players can move on and, and just play the game. So to answer your question, yes, education is to the players is always really important. Um, but, you know, it's there also is a, a responsibility for players to, to know the, the laws or playing conditions they're playing under. We're talking to yeah. Peter Parker, former test umpire here, about the controversial action last night in the World Cup match between Bangladesh and Sri Lanka. Your thoughts on technology, Peter, and the fourth umpire or the video umpire, do you feel at times it drags on too long? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, when you look at, at video replays, it slows the game down, and that's one of that's one of the problems that we have with with cricket. You know, people look and say it takes so long. You know, a five day test, we don't get through ninety overs in a day, um, and technology will will slow it down because you've got to look at everything. The one thing to remember is, you know, the the decision may go up for a court behind, but as fourth umpire, they have to explore every other option for dismissal because one appeal covers all ways of being out. So if you went up for um, an LBW and um, you, follow, you go up for a court in at back pad and then you find there's no edge... You then have to roll forward and look at the LBW decision. So you have to co- you have to look at everything, which just slows the game down. Mm. Um, and and even even in some instances, I look at technology and and my eyes probably don't doesn't always agree with what the technology is showing. Um, so the, the accuracy around it, it's. It's now part of the game. We're never going backwards, but um, but I I always believe that technology is great if it improves the game. And I'm not sure with the amount of time that we're taking to find these decisions, um, it, it's actually improved it. it. Technology was there to stop the the really bad decisions, not for 
the you know millimeter decisions. So I think we've we've embraced technology for the wrong reasons, and we're looking for perfect outcomes in a system that isn't able to to deliver that. Yeah, fair call. Good on you, Peter. Well, thanks for joining us. Lovely to have a chat to you about what was certainly. Uh, uh, once-in-a-lifetime situation if you're a follower of the cricket with uh, Angelo Matthews um, creating cricket history, becoming the first player to be timed out at international level. Thanks for your time, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks very much, Peter. Take care. Peter Parker, former Test umpire, joining us here on Sports Day WA. Let's update Sport for Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand, and the Sydney Swans AFL Club expressed a little bit of disappointment after a planned mural for retired champion Lance Buddy Franklin was rejected by the City of Sydney. It was going to be in Surrey Hills, a full mural of him kicking the ball in one of the townhouses there in Surrey Hills, but it's been knocked back. And in tennis, Australian captain Alicia Mollick is backing Daria Saville and Isla Tomlanovic to get the job done after being left with only three players for Australia's opening Billie Jean King Cup uh, finals tie in Spain, a scheduling fiasco, and the weather gods have forced Alan Perez out of tonight's clash with Slovenia, while newly crowned world number one doubles A Storm Hunter is only due to land in Sevilla 45 minutes before the tie starts. That update for Polaris. Uh, plate clearance deals are on now. Save $2,000 on the range of 1,000 EPS, plus get $1,000 free accessories. And don't forget that Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American football's biggest game worth over $70,000. All you need to do is just shop in-store at Beaumont's before November 12, and you're in the chance to win. And that date is fast approaching. TNC's to apply. We'll take a break, come back with more after the break here on Sports Day WA. Welcome back to Sports Day WA and here's a quick community update thanks to Firecoat. Be alert and be prepared this bushfire season. Stay up to date with uh, all bushfire warnings online with the Department of Fire and Emergency Services. Visit dfes.wa.gov.au. This community update is thanks to new Firecoat, the first paint proven to protect property in high-risk fire conditions available at Bunnings Warehouse. Now for Era Gear is here to save time and water. As we know, the big story today was the running of the 2023 Melbourne Cup. If you missed the race, here were the closing stages. Into the street of the Lexus Melbourne Cup, and here's Without a fire, taking out the 2023 Melbourne Cup in stunning fashion to complete a rare Australian horse racing double. Jockey Mark Zara, by the way, gave up the ride on Gold Trip, who he won the Melbourne Cup aboard last year to gain saddle 
with the Anthony and Sam Friedman trained without a fight, as he did in winning the Caulfield Cup last month. This is what Sam Friedman, the trainer, had to say post-race. Credit to, to the old man. He's been incredible through all of this. Um, he went up to Queensland, looked after the horse, and, you know, he won two up there. And, and straight away, you know, we set our sights on coming down here. Um, you know, there's lots of little moments. I'm a lot younger, so I get a little bit worked up at times. And Dad's pretty cool, calm and collected, so he's just been the constant throughout. Um, all the staff at home, Elise, who heads up our Pinecliff stable, Steve Adams, who's Flemington, Brad Taylor, all, all, the, all the team behind the scenes. It's a lot of work goes into this sort of result, and, um, and they all deserve it. How pivotal was Queensland to setting up what we've seen in his amazing spring? Oh, look, it was very important. I mean, he, he was pretty fierce up in Queensland. He was pretty aggressive, and... And, you know, you saw that when he won over nine furlongs. Um, you know, backed it up with a Q22 romp. And, um, you know, he ran a good race in the Underwood. But Queensland really set him up. He was fit and well. And I think with a horse like him, an older horse, we went to put him in the paddock for a week. He was running the fence, so he came straight back in after a couple of days. He just loves his work. This horse genuinely loves his work. He pins his ears back every time you work him. Um, just a good, genuine galloper and, and yeah, massive thrill. How much work was required going back 12 months once you took over training after he'd run 13th in the race last year for Simon and Ed Christopher? Was there a bit of work to get him to fully acclimatise to the Australian conditions? Uh, no, look, the horse arrived in really good condition. Um, you know, he ran in the Melbourne Cup and the, and the wet ground really cost him there. You know, he, he runs the trip strongly, but he travelled on the 400 last year and just didn't get through the ground. Um, Ed was really good at filling me in about what the horse was like. Unfortunately, we had to you know, miss the Zipping Classic after the Cup last year. Um, but, yeah, look, he's he's right back and um, might go meet the horse. It was brilliant. Yeah, go meet him in the gates. Well done. Cheers. Courtesy of Racing.com, Sam Friedman, the youngest son of leading trainer Anthony Friedman there after the running of uh, the Melbourne Cup today without a win, uh, without a fight, winning the Melbourne Cup in very impressive fashion. That update, thanks to Irrigear, which offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions to save time and water, Irrigear is here. And before I go, don't forget to join the Red Army this NBL season by becoming a Perth Wildcats member today. And that was a huge road win last night over the highly fancied Melbourne United in Melbourne in overtime. We spoke about that a bit earlier in the program. Thanks to Jimmy, my executive producer, and also thanks to Brian for panelling the program today. This is Sports Day WA for Kia's Epic Range, the Kia Sportage Seltos, an EV6 GT, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. Hope you've enjoyed your Melbourne Cup day. It's still kicking on at the Canfield, just across the lawn here from our studios at SENWA. They've had a big day at the Canfield. Hope you've had a big day and a successful one at that. And I'll catch you tomorrow from 5 right here on SENWA.